Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, my Lord and God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show me your strength in behalf of your servant. Save me because I serve you just as my mother did. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Out of the mud and mire, he set my feet upon a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Notice how in both passages, he combines this recognition of his destitution against remembering God's promises. He understood that everything he had had nothing to do with him and everything to do with what God had given him. Even so, he would speak plainly before the Lord. And I believe that's what God wants us to do. With due reverence and respect, 
to speak plainly before him. When was the last time you confessed to the Lord that you were afflicted and needy? Have you ever? I don't very often. And not in a despondent sort of woe is me, the world is falling apart sort of way. In a humble recognition of his lordship and preeminence over all things. It's the posture of the heart fully resigned to God that we must practice daily. So we start with a high view of God. We admit that we are afflicted and needy. Then we must die to our flesh and be led by the Spirit. Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now we all know dying to the flesh is never an easy thing. I would say it's impossible. It is not something we do out of our own uh, strength. And I believe this is part of the reason why being destitute before God is so important. It aligns our heart in an act of submission before the one who can redeem all things, who can breathe life into dry bones. It's not about us powering through. It's not about us using our God-given strengths. It is about us submitting to God. There's a couple stories in the past week in my life that I want to share with you that are two different outcomes. The first one, about a week ago, my wife comes into my office and she had proof of something my sons had done that they shouldn't have done. And instantly, I decided what they needed was fire and brimstone. I was going to scare the hell out of them for what they had done. Pardon the language. But that was, my, that was how I felt in the moment. Instantly, I felt the Lord challenge that thought. Now, I wanted to respond in anger. I wanted to respond in power, and I wanted to show them that this was wrong and they were wrong. But as quickly as I said that, and I said that to Angie, I said, fire and brimstone, something to the effect of that's what they're going to get. I felt God say, no, don't do that. So the rest of the day, I prayed, and I asked God, Lord, how would, what would you have me do here? As they went on, I was, my heart was getting softer and softer towards them. I knew I still needed to address what they had done, but this kind of angst that my flesh had so quickly jumped to as a father, and I think we all know that at times with with kids, had subsided. So by the time they get home, I've called them into my office. I'm sitting there. Uh, I'm sitting on a couch. The boys are across from me in these two chairs, and I'm waiting for Angie to come in. I had my phone out. I was just, I was reading something. I wasn't even engaged with them. As I'm doing that, Brody, I hear Brody, my my oldest, go kind of to himself, I know what this is about. I know what this is about. 
and I kind of hear it, but I'm not really, I'm not really paying much attention because I'm still just kind of waiting for Angie and reading. And then he starts crying. Which, if you know Brody, that's not the norm. So as he starts crying, I see he's, his heart is, is being broken. And I haven't said a word. Angie comes in and we start talking. And because I could tell how, in that moment, how supple his heart was, how, how weak he was, how truly humble he was, I had this, this sense to, um, I still needed to address what he did, but I, I felt the need to remind him of, of grace. So I said, Brody, when, when Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross for sins that I had yet to commit. And he forgave me. If Jesus can forgive me and show grace to me, I can forgive you. And Brody with his, put his head in his hand and goes, thank you, thank you. God had broken his heart. And if I had just powered through and done what I felt like was right, I would have missed an opportunity for for Brody to hear from the Lord, for him to experience brokenness, to experience grace and forgiveness. And it ended up being this incredible time of, of fellowship. We talked about what happened, but it was just a, I felt God's presence. It was, it was a spirit-led response. Another story this week, I had a really interesting week where um, I was able to go attend a, a workshop that was about uh, it was called Kingdom at Work, and it's about this company, it's a home builder in Lubbock, who is doing some incredible things with literally practicing bringing the kingdom of God to every part of their company. Now, they're not a Christian company by, by name, but when you, when you start interacting with them and you see what the, the why behind what they do, it is, it is completely filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, they've been putting on these workshops to kind of practically teach people what they do, why they do it, and I got to spend a couple days up there, and I'm telling you, it was one of the most spirit-filled times I have ever been a part of in my life. It was incredible. I, I learned a great deal. I was challenged in some ways. I was encouraged in some ways, and I get home, and I have a great time of prayer with our team one morning, and then as I'm getting done, I see a little message on Skype. Now, my line of work is in software development, so our, our team is all remote. We work all over the world. There's no formal office. And I went to open that message, and that message happened to be from a competitor of ours in the business we're in. And he was, he was angry about something that was really, it wasn't my issue, but he was kind of venting at me about some stuff that if you knew it, it would, it would be silly. But I, I instantly took offense to it. Now, here's the other thing. This guy is also a brother in Christ. And I have been challenged often about that dynamic because we are head-to-head competitors, but before that, we are brothers in Christ. And I'll admit I struggle with that at times. And then when you say some things to me that I don't think are deserved, I... I responded out of my flesh to him. 
he's also going through some hard health issues right now. And at one point, he even said, you know what, this may just be because I'm doing this, but he kind of kept going, and I just kept going. And the problem was, I didn't stop in that moment. I didn't admit God wasn't big enough in that moment. What I wanted to say, what I wanted to do, the offense that I felt, the, the, the slight that he had done to me needed to be addressed. It felt so right. It felt so fair and justified. And I know we've all been there. When something happens and it just feels like this is right, this is how I should handle this, how dare that person say that to me? How dare they, they assume something about me that's not true? Well, men, let me just encourage you. Jesus was in the habit of laying down claims he was rightfully entitled to, to love and serve others. And I believe that is what we are called to. Not out of our own strength, not because we're spiritual giants, because we submit our will to our Father in heaven, who will work through us to respond in that sort of way. Now, I haven't gone back to Luke yet, and honestly, I think this is part of why I feel convicted. He, I feel like he owes me an apology. But as long as I'm holding on to that, I'm not practicing the things I'm encouraging you all with. And men, this is what it's like in the trenches day to day. There are a thousand of these moments in a day. And they build up. And for some of us, they build up to create stress and anxiety and tension. We carry it around with, it, with us. We, we, we are sharp with our wives, with our kids, with people around us, because we are carrying around this baggage we were never meant to carry. So I encourage you, lay down a claim you feel entitled to. Ask the Lord for help to do it. Be afflicted and needy before him and watch what he does in your own heart. It will feel foreign to your flesh. But watch what happens. So let's bring all this together. Remember that the goal here is we're trying to establish rhythms in our daily life that orientate our mind and our emotions to the Lord. Personally, one of the most practical applications I've ever seen of this outside of Scripture is a book written in the 1600s. It's about 60 pages. Now, I'm not a reader, really much of a reader, but as I can read this in about 30 minutes. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It's free. You can get it on iBooks for free because it's so old. The elegant simplicity of what he shares is, has been so encouraging to me throughout the years. And I encourage you to just find some time whenever you have a few minutes to read it. It will encourage your heart greatly. Here's, a few, here's a, just a quick summary about it. In this small book, through letters and conversations, Brother Lawrence simply and beautifully explains how to continually walk with God. Not from the head, but from the heart. Brother Lawrence left the gift of a way of life available to anyone who seeks to know God's presence and peace that anyone, regardless of age or circumstance, can practice anytime, anywhere. Brother Lawrence died in 1691 having practiced God's presence for over 40 years. 
His quiet death was much like his monastic life, where each day and each hour was a new beginning and a fresh commitment to love God with all of his heart. So let me ask you this. Have you ever tried being in continual communion with God? The equivalent of a prayer that just keeps on going. Have you ever tried turning that internal monologue in your own brain into prayers to God? Brother Lawrence so beautifully depicts how he practices the presence of God. And I love that word because it's not a checklist. It's not something he figured out. He he reached the spiritual nirvana. It was a habitual daily choice to go into the presence of God. So I challenge you to turn your thinking, turn your, your, your internal monologue into a communion with God. And we'll go into this a little bit more in some of the discussion questions. But if you have a minute, I I highly recommend this book. And it's, um, I think you'll get a lot out of it. Let's pray. Father, we do not want to just be hearers of the word. And then go back to life as normal. That is not what you have offered. That is not what you're about. Lord, I pray that for each of us, you would give us a heart that beats for the things that matter to you. And I pray that it would start, we would start with a proper view of who you are, your preeminence over this world, your limitless power and might your love for us in the big and small aspects of our life. Lord, you were a God of details. Lord, I pray that you would equip us with what is needed to do the work that you have called us to do. I pray that we would practice continually being in your presence. I pray that we would establish patterns, habits that nourish our soul Lord, if there's areas in our life where we we don't have time to even think about you because we fill that void with something that is not you or we fill it with a distraction, shine a light on that, Father. I thank you for this time. I thank you for these men. I pray, Lord, that we would not just be uh, looking for a spiritual experience but that we would be concerned with entering into the presence of the living God who invites us in for life, nourishment, and abundance. May we have spiritual eyes to see what matters right before us. May we steward our spouses, our children, our work well. Lord, you have ordained that work. You have redeemed those things. May we see them as you see them. And may we remember that someday when we stand before you, it will not be because we're comparing me to someone else. You will look at us and go, what did you do with what I gave you? And Lord, thank you. Thank you that it it is by you and you alone that we are sustained and that you will give us what we need to do that which you have called us to do. Lord, I love this church. I love these men. I love uh, your presence and being here today. I pray that you would would take anything you see fit 
and, and challenge us, me included, to continue to practice these things daily and that we would be changed by it. Lord, I thank you for this time. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching today's message. We hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith. If you enjoyed it, let your friends know. We'll catch you next time.